Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Chris and the guys at Greenview Construction LLC are a firm offering professional services in design and, of course, construction. And they are proud to announce that they've completed design and 3D renderings for two-spec home models located in the Jupiter and Palm Beach Gardens area, sitting on over one-acre lots. Now, they've got four lots available for these model homes. The first is a British West Indies model style, totaling just over 4,500 square foot, air-conditioned space, five bedrooms, five bathrooms, and they boast 16-foot ceilings in some areas. The second, more traditional style home, 3,100 square foot, air-conditioned space, four bedrooms and four baths. They boast 14-foot ceilings in some areas. Both models will have a free-flowing layouts that connect the kitchen, the family room, living room, library, I mean library, a den, an outdoor lanai, and both models will have an option to add a detached in-law suite if you really want the in-laws to move in, and a garage totaling an additional 1,000 square foot. You can visit Chris and the team online at www.greenviewconstruction.com. You can email Chris Tyson, that's C Tyson, as in Mike Tyson, C Tyson at greenviewconstruction.com, or you can call 561-727-5013. They're also on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Twitter, just look for Greenview Construction. And if that wasn't enough, they have an appointment-only showroom at 715 Commerce Way West, Suite 14 in Jupiter, Florida. This show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a revolutionary new daily fantasy game whereby you pick two, three, or four players to go over or under their fantasy point projections, and if you're correct, you win. Pick two or more players from the same sport or league or go cross leagues for your parlay. Use the promo code 5, that's F-I-V-E, 5, and receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. But first, sign up at prizepicks.com to start winning today. 
Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. Simon Clancy is here. Chris Kaufman is here. And as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN and you get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping. They're up to the lawnmower 4.0, by the way. And of course, Better Edge. That's B-E-T-T-O-R Edge.com slash five reasons. You get $20 just for signing up. All right, guys. This is my favorite time of the year because it's it's a tradition unlike any other. Everybody wants everybody else's trash onto their team. So we'll start there. Uh, Simon, any cut that you kind of said, oh, I don't know about this one today. Um, I was surprised at Adam Pankey, I've got to say, because um, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, and obviously, I thought the comments from Chris Greer and Mike McDaniel were interesting in that they said that McDaniel was very clear that he said eight offensive linemen wasn't enough. Um I thought our guy Ben Stilley was a little bit unlucky. They clearly went with the experience with John Jenkins. Obviously, I thought would make it, but Benito Jones. Beyond that, I don't really think so. I, I, Chris was right. I thought we'd keep six receivers. Uh, Chris said they keep five. Um, I suspect that at least two of them, I suspect two out of the three, really, Bowden, um, who I suspect will get claimed, Craycraft and Braylon Sanders will end up back on the practice squad. So essentially, really, you're going to have seven because obviously... You can call guys up, is it three times a season um, onto yep. the active roster from the practice squad? Well, three um, times each. Like the, the yeah. individual player can be called up three times. Yeah. So, um, but beyond that, I didn't think there were that many shocks really. I mean, everybody was kind of freaking out about Lynn Bowden, but like, you know, to me, I just felt like he was probably the ninth guy on the team really in terms of, uh, and the only thing that was keeping you around was his ability to feel punts. And, you know, this is, yeah, I hate, hate to interrupt you, but yesterday we were, were a little inside baseball, but you know, you could get this if you pay $3 a month. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we were having a pretty long drawn out argument about, no, they got to cut Craycraft because Lim Bowden would get claimed. And we we're going back and forth with this. They cut both of them. And then yeah. I should well, and then I shit on both of you, and I was like, "No, they're both going to be cut." <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but apart from that, no, really not. And you know, obviously, the comments this afternoon about Skylar Thompson were interesting. Teams mm-hmm. caught calling up, looking for a potential trade. Same with Tanner Connor, which is why I didn't want to let Connor go. Um, and I thought it was very intriguing, just the kind of the, you know, it was clear. Uh, you almost got the sense that pre even the first preseason game, there were thinking about Skylar Thompson as being, you know, somebody that you just absolutely keep around. And as McDaniel said, you know, we're not in the business of making dumb mistakes, i.e. getting rid of Thompson or trading her away. So, um, you know, there's, there's certainly interest and intrigue there in terms of his future and, you know, what happens with Tua this year. And you just wonder, you know, whether or not, you know, how often do you hit on it? Like, I mean, I didn't, I think McDaniel said, if you held your breath and, um, if you held your breath and waited for a seventh round quarterback to develop, you'd die of, or you'd pass out or something, or you'd die of no air. Or, right. um, it kind of feels like they feel like they've got something there. So, but beyond that, I didn't, you know, there was nothing really. Uh, Brennan Scarlett, I thought might, but obviously the injury. I mean, the, the biggest surprise for me is Tanner Connor. You know, there's a, here's a guy that was an undrafted free agent, essentially a wide receiver, 
He's undersized. He's obviously very quick. He's very athletic. But he spent three weeks essentially not being able to practice or play because he's been injured. And yet he makes a 53. And McDaniel said this evening that, um, you know, he's not going to go on IR. Uh, he, so, you know, which would put him out for some of the season. He's pretty much going to be good to go as soon as. So, you know, they must be incredibly high on him because, um, you know, that's a, that's a hell of a rise. Well, yeah, Peter that, Schrager, do you remember? Do you remember the, yeah, the, the thing he did? He, so Tanner Connor, Tanner Connor has the one game, the one preseason game. Catches a, a, couple a little balls. background, a little background on that. Uh, NFL Network was at the joint practices in Tampa, and Tanner Connor had two of the best days you can have on this on this team in this camp. And I think that they saw that. Then they saw his performance in the game, and they said, "Whoa, this is something." And I'm pretty sure Peter Schrager got into Mike McDaniel's ear and Mike McDaniel. Probably. Well, that's, that's what I mean. So, I mean, yeah. after the game, after the game is done, he catches a few balls and they're going on his team on his show. They're going through uh, their picks for like, you know, um, don't count this guy out or something like that. You know, just, just really guys you wouldn't think about, you know, now thinking about, and he spotlighted Tanner Connor, just like a nice, nice couple minute segment on him and oh. talking about him. And it just goes to show you. And I've heard, you know, somebody, I think maybe somebody on Twitter um, was saying this, but, you know, Peter Schrager is a ta- is, uh, is link- linked in with all those um, Shanahan type guys um, like uh, Sean McVay or, you know, all the, the whole crowd, um, including Mike McDaniel. So, I mean, he had, he had some inside, he had some inside stuff. I mean, you got to listen to Peter Schrager when he talks about the Dolphins, I think. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that was one thing, you know, the, the whole, I, I can't, I, I don't want to tackle. I'm, I'm lazy. So I don't want to tackle the hard question with Skylar Thompson, which is just how good is he? Um, but, but one thing that I know is that, you know, in this system, or at least it feels like this, if he's here next year and he's playing in preseason again, he's going to do well again. Right. I mean, yeah. and he seemed he seemed to really take to this system, you know this, uh, and and Mike McDaniel's and McDaniel, and um, it feels like okay, if he he was that consistent across the three games that it feels like okay. Fast forward to next year, he's playing in preseason again. Um, he's probably going to do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 that's that's a little bit that's a little bit of an easier question to ponder than you know how exactly how good is he could it be a starter could be a really good starter could it you know um and and it makes me think of matt schaub you know Uh, it makes me think of uh, matt schaub back in the day when he was sitting behind mike vick and all he did i think was just playing preseason games and um you know i I think he he might have had a little bit of regular season action but very little but he just sat i mean physically imposing guy Matt Schaub was back then. So that he had that going for him, but um, I think that's, that's really all he did. And then they, they traded him for, um, for something like a, a first round pick equivalent. It might've been two, two second round picks to the, uh, to the Houston Texans. Wow. And, um, and that's, that's kind of what I think about um, with, with Skylar Thompson is just wait on this one, just sit on yeah. it. Do you know what I think of when I think about him? You know, it's easy to go. I mean, it's ludicrous to say Tom Brady because he's such an outlier mm-hmm. in terms of. But the name I keep coming back to, and I, th- th- it reminds me of 
physically, you know, the, in terms of mm-hmm. their movement ability, in terms of their size, in terms of their arm strength, but also in terms of the traits that they had at college, you know, question marks over accuracy, question marks over injury. It's Dak Prescott. Oh, yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just think, have the Dolphins found their Dak Prescott in the seventh round? You know, a guy that just, I mean, how? when was the last time you saw a seventh round or even a, you know, not a first-day quarterback come in and be as good as he was in the preseason? And I know, look, let's not get carried away. I know he wasn't playing against, you know, first-team defences. But just to come in and also just be consistent week after yeah. week after week, which is the point you made, Chris, is that when do you see that, you know, you, it's not often right the consistency from three games in a row like that it's no. not often he just seems to have something that's and he's not afraid of anything that's the thing that there's just mm-hmm. no fear that throw that that throw that he made to uh to easy e just down the yeah. sideline the sort of the flick off the back foot and you just think, he layered it in over do you remember, and under? yeah do you remember that throw mm-hmm. that ryan Tannehill made against the steelers pretty much the same place in the field where yeah. he rolled to his left and threw down down the side and down to the goal line. I can't remember who caught it. And it was an amazing throw, and it was almost exactly the same as that one in terms of distance uh, and yeah. through the ball. And it was just like, wow, this you know, just the the fearlessness to be able to do that in in a game as a, I just you know, rolling least, left, throwing with your right, I mean, that's his body, and ripping balls all over the field, and yeah, very interesting. He's very interesting to me. He's very yeah. I think I think after the first game, you're like, you know, ooh, can they get away with cutting this guy? You question it, but I overall, I think maybe you can. After the second game, it's like, oh, I don't know. And then after this third game, it's like, forget about it. This yeah. is not even yeah. a question. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there can, they can't get rid of him. Um, but I, you know, the I, I sit on him, sit on him yeah. for a couple of years. Because the longer it marinates that way, the more he has actually has an opportunity to go into uh, some regular season games, perform fairly well, and just keep playing well in the preseason. Some team out there is just going to convince themselves. You turn I mean, to a third rounder or a second rounder or second you know rounder, I mean? maybe yeah. even a first. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Matt, Matt Flynn. Was it Matt Flynn? Matt Flynn threw for yeah. 500 yards. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. final six touchdowns in that final Green Bay game. And then. And they got a second round pick the following year for him, right? Just crazy. Yeah. Just never know. Well, we 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 traded a, a second round pick for AJ Feely, remember? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because he performed well in a couple of games because Andrew Reed was was shepherding him along. Yeah. But yeah. So so you don't have a cut that, that you look at, Chris, and 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 think to yourself, uh, oh, I don't know about this one. Like this could come back to, to haunt us. I have several that I'm nervous about, but I, I also try to, I really try and be cognizant of this because I know we do it every, every year. We always overrate our own players, you know? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I speak, we as dolphin fans and, and team fans in general, right? We always, we always overrate our own players. We're always thinking that there's no way so-and-so is going to be safe. And then, you know, 99% of the time they, they get easily through waivers because all of these other teams are also, have their eyeballs on their own players and are like, you know, Oh, we got to have this guy back or we can't, we can't risk this guy or whatever. Um, So it's interesting, but I mean, if I had to pick, you know, I'm nervous about uh, Kellen Deesh because he had a big signing bonus and as a UDFA Mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, that, that to me means that they had competition signing him. 
And so that means that there's at least, you know, one other team out there that tried to get him as a UDFA bid him up. And, uh, and now they're looking at him being cut and being passed along waivers so they can easily put a claim on him. That's the one I'm nervous about. Um, because, you know, if you don't even have him and if he doesn't, cause I think he might have a bright future. If he doesn't, if you don't have him, then it really exacerbates the whole, uh, Zach, Tom uh, issue that Simon has raised several times, you know, seeing how Zach Tom has performed on green Bay. Um, so I, you know, that there's that I am nervous. I'm nervous about getting Zaquandre white through waivers. And I do think it would be a you know good idea to keep him around. Um, I'm nervous about, I mean, I'm not so nervous about getting blaze Andrews through, through waivers, but I, I would like to keep him there. I'm a little nervous on Ben silly. I think this might be a, um, uh, another one of those things where it's like, you know, yeah, we think he's great. He, we think he's awesome, but other teams like still think he's Ben silly, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and so, um, you know, that's so, so he, we might get him back, but I am sweating it out. I'm a little confused on Porter Gruston, you know, mm-hmm. he, performed well and consistent in, in the, in the preseason, he was used, they were using him all over the deep. They were using him as like a three, four, a 34 defensive end, um, in spots where, you know, Christian Wilkins and stuff like that play. Um, and, and then they were using him an outside linebacker, like an edge player. And, uh, he performed well in all of them. I thought he was versatile. You know, he's, um, he's a good player you know, he's in great shape. He's a gym, gym type. Um, I'm, I'm a little confused by that and a little bit uh, nervous about Verone McKinley because I don't, I don't think he's going to, that's one that I, that I do not think is actually going to make it through waivers. Um, if I had to choose like one or two, uh, because I think he's got fans out there. So, you know, nervous about that one because he was the only guy that I saw aside from J- Javon Holland that was training so consistently at deep safety, deep center field. Hmm. Um, so we don't, we're not going to have him. And uh, I think the so good that, thing, yeah. though, you look around the league and there were some good, you know, some decent running backs, some decent wide receivers. You look at Tyler Johnson and people like that, and some pretty decent safeties, yeah, Anthony Harris and people like that that were released. And you kind of think maybe, do you know what I mean? You just hope that in those areas that the guys that we got rid of aren't as highly rated as, a, you know, Tevin Coleman or some of those backs that, that ended up getting getting booted today do you know what i mean you just think maybe mm-hmm. they'll get picked up before our guys do yeah i i wasn't surprised by porter gustin gustin because as soon as they signed trey flowers and you could tell that was a josh boyer thing it, it, it was it was one of those where chris greer said look he's on the radar and i can bring him here you interested and i and i think josh boyer probably jumped up and said am i interested yeah bring bring him in now and sure enough mm-hmm. they brought him in for a workout they had him signed by the end of the day. So that was obviously, you know, that's a Josh Boyer special. As soon as I saw that, I said, you know what? Porter Gustin is probably not for this team. I was surprised by Ben Stilley. That's the only one that I'm really surprised by because I would have liked to have something at the bottom of the roster. Cause look, I love this defensive line, but it's always nice to have a new shooter, right? Have something, you know, you know, on the back burner while you have to start paying all these guys. And I thought he was fine. I thought he was fine all throughout camp, performed in the games. But maybe they can get him through. And if they can get him through, then that's that's just a great thing. Like, if they could get him through to the practice squad, that's actually the best of both worlds. 
So that's the only really like, you know, I wouldn't even call it shocking. Just uh, like, you know, it surprised me a little bit. Now, Simon, I feel as if me and Chris owe Miles Gaskin uh, an apology. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're very. He doesn't, he doesn't need an apology. He's getting more paychecks. <laughs> okay. This guy, this guy, he made it. He did it again. And I will say this. The coach said something very interesting in his availability today. And I know you caught it, Simon. Yeah, uh, so he said, um, he said that, you know, that when the Dolphins were bringing in running backs during the, the offseason, you know, Sony Michelle and Zaquandre Wyatt and and Chase Edmonds and um and Raheem Mostert, that, that Gaskin and, and Savan Ahmed didn't pout, they didn't kick up a fuss. He said every single time a new back came in, he'd look out onto the field and there they were, they'd have their like weight jackets on and they'd just be pushing each other to work harder and jugs machine and all that sort of stuff. So like kudos. And it was clearly a shot across the bows, I'd probably at Preston Williams, but also mm-hmm. praise for two guys who've really worked hard. Whatever you think about the pair of them, they obviously have, you know, they have enough trust in the coaching staff or vice versa to, to, um, you know, to have been kept on the 53 and it's, you know, it's more power to them. I, I think, um, you know, we know that the 49ers and this offense specifically has thrived with multiple backs. You know, you go back and look at the 49ers, we've talked about it ad infinitum, but you look at, you know, that's Tevin Coleman or Jeff Wilson or Moster or Matt Breeder or whoever it is, Elijah Mitchell, you know, they, they, they like rolling in multiple guys in different scenarios. You saw that in the preseason game the other night, you know, you start off with, we started off with most had a couple of carries, then in comes Gaskin, then in comes Sony Michelle near the goal line, then in comes Ahmed, and you just like, you know, that's what they like to do, just mix it up with speed and spe- I mean, like it's speed and speed and speed. Gaskin is quick to get to the you know, he's quick to get to the line of screens and then long speed, you know. But you know, Ahmed is very quick. Most of we we saw him, you know, one of the fastest players in the league. Right with Daniel loves that speed, and and these guys have a little burst, they have a little so yeah, a credit to them, I think, and especially. You know, I'm sure they they probably listen to this podcast every week, and they must have got very upset at you two clowning them off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many times we've cut them. Um, we've cut them. We've, we, we've, we've cut what I like to say, you two. <laughs> some of us, Miles. Some of us, Miles. Hi, Chris, Miles. We uh, did. Uh, we did one time because a, a listener resp- a listener did one. I don't, and I don't mind those, by the way. Okay, when we're dead wrong, you could do that. But when you're gonna, you know, like if you're gonna. If, if you're gonna take something we say out of context and try to say and give us an "I told you so," you could go fuck yourself, okay? But when, if you're gonna give us an "I told you so" on Miles Gaskin saying "Han, na 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 na," you guys screwed up. We did a po- we did a podcast once where you, you, me and you, Chris, we went on for 15 minutes about how how bad Miles Gaskin is and how he was gonna like he, he had no no fit on this team. Well, it was guess right, an absolute. <laughs> And, and Sammy just sat there while you and me went on and on and on for 15 minutes. And he was like, I don't know about, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but uh, he's one of the better guys on this, on, in this room and he might make it. Well, the, here he is. Okay. Here is my miles Gaskin. You know what? I, I have, have to think, it. I have to think as long as Eric Studsville is here, then miles Gaskin is going to make it somehow. Ah, so you're going to blame Eric Studsville for, I, I am because that's the common denominator, man. Uh, <laughs> like, like, uh, I, I don't know what's going on at, at running back because, you know, yes, they, this system does tend to produce guys that come out of nowhere. Right. Um, and, uh, or like, 
UDF, something like that. And we're going to go back in time. We're talking about the Alfred Morrises and, you know, even going back to Orlandis Gary and, you know, stuff like that. Um, system has a history. Uh, would Miles Gaskin be that guy? No, I, I really don't think so. I still don't. But, um, you know, I, I have to wonder, like, Zaquandre White, I know they were impressed with him during the pre-training camp period. Um, you know, I don't know how his training camp uh, practices were, but every time he touched the ball, he did something really cool, um, you know, during the preseason. Uh, he didn't touch it very often, but it was like every time he made somebody miss, he broke a tackle, he fell forward, he, you know, did something. He's like, oh, that, you know, that was something a little extra. Uh, caught that ball for the big touchdown, um, ma- making a guy, you know, eat, eat dirt on the way. Um, just, I'm, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that, that you might end up losing him because you reached for the definition of mediocre um, with and kept him around with Miles Gaskin. Um, that's that. You know, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be the most certain Edmonds show anyway. But uh, but yeah, I think that that. With Edmonds, Mostert, Gaskin, Ahmed, I think you have your your starting version and your poor man's version right there. Because Edmonds and Gaskin are the pass catch, more versatile running backs. And Mostert and Ahmed are the speedsters. So I think that they kind of like that little redundancy in the in the in the on the roster and they kept it. I, I agree with you. I want I want to see Zachandre White back on the on the practice squad here in a day or so. All right, moving on. Uh, five wide receivers. First of all, that's good news for Jalen Waddle's injury, whatever it is, because uh, this team just won't won't reveal any injuries or what they are or for how long or if they're gonna be out or not. But five wide receivers, surprising a little bit, Simon. At least to me, but I just thought that because I just thought they keep six. But um, but I mean the guys that they had, we had them as a, you know as the top five. I think we pretty much were all in agreement that our order would have been Hill, Waddle, uh, Wilson, uh, Eze, and uh, Trent Sherfield, and then you kind of mix. I had Craycraft at six, and you kind of mix and match from that point on. So no real shock that they of the guys they kept, and I suppose you know we made a good point in the in the uh, Discord chat today about look Alec in gold. Maybe that's why Seaton Carter hangs around for a couple of weeks. Maybe it's a more long-term thing. Obviously, Carter played sort of fullback slash H back on Saturday night and with the with the first uh person, the first team personnel. Um, so there might be a thing around Ingold, who we obviously knew had had the red jersey on for a lot of camp. I know he was kind of getting involved, but it's one thing getting involved with your your own players, it's another thing putting your helmet in on week one against the Patriots defense and that sort of thing. So so maybe there's something there because obviously they kept 63 tight ends and, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, no shock about the guys and, and, you know, kudos as well to the rookie, you know, because he, he came in and he, you know, again, a bit like Skylar Thompson consistently performed week in, week out. Um, and I know we only had four picks, but three of them made the team, uh, which I think is pretty impressive, especially as, as three quarters of them were selected on the, um, on the final day of the draft, that's a pretty decent, you know, return um, when you look at it. So yeah, I think um, no shock there that that they were the guys that we um, they were the guys we took. Uh, Actually, Chris, we're going to move. Two of them came on the on the last day, didn't they? Yeah. Those, um, 
fourth round. Yeah, before we move on to the offensive line, Chris, any comments on the wide receivers and tight ends? Because yeah, I, I just thought I just thought this is this, if anything, was an area where they could take advantage of the new practice squad rules. With um, well, somewhat somewhat new, somewhat old. Um, where you have you have up to sixteen players on the practice squad now. Uh, six of them can go to veterans of unlimited accrued seasons. Uh, and then each player on the practice squad can be brought up as many as, you know, three times for real games without ever leaving the practice squad. You know, like imagine you're starting, imagine you're starting center for the game is a guy that's on the practice squad, you know, like, um, mm. like that could, that could happen uh, because of the rules. So I thought that guys like Muhammad Sanu, if they wanted to bring him under the practice squad, it'd be easy to do so. I do think River Craycraft will make it through waivers unless it's the Patriots taking him for one week to pump for information, um, <laughs> which <laughs> actually, actually I'd forecast a pretty, a pretty decent chance of happening. But um, so, yeah, I think he, he'll make it to the practice squad one way or the other. I think I do agree that uh, his, his know-how on the system could be valuable. Um, you start running into injury issues, then you can put him on the field and you know what he's going to give you. Um, so that's that's attractive. As for Lynn Bowden and Preston Williams, it just they're so far down the depth chart that it was like, unless they find trade suitors, they're gone, you know? And and Preston and Williams, for all intents and purposes, spent three months sulking and pouting. Yeah, yeah. And well, there's that too. Yeah, the writing was on the wall. Like, there's a weight. Like, he could have played his way onto the top five. I think there, there could be nervousness about Braylon Sanders, though. Um, you know, in, in terms mm. of making it through waivers. So, um, you know, I, I wonder about that. But, um, but yeah. So, wide receivers keeping five. I mean, if you've got if you're keeping five tight ends and two of them are basically wide receivers, you know, mm. maybe you only need five. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. I think that this bodes uh, this bodes well for for some slot snaps for for Mike Gusecki, maybe. So, who do you, who do you think is is the luckiest guy on the roster? Sam Aguavon. That's easy. You saw how fast I said that. Wow, that was really fast. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, you know, I I think if you're Hunter Long, you have to be say feeling. Yes. Yeah, you have to That's be feeling available. pretty lucky. And, Wait a minute, and, you didn't get you didn't get a little uh, you didn't get a, kind of excited with his performance in the Eagle game. Like he started to look like something in that in that Eagle game. Now, I mean, he was still he was still he was still messing up though, and that was the issue in the in the previous games. Like he he was at the very bottom of the depth chart, and then when he did get in the game, he like messed up a bunch, and. um and so, you know, he, he was still kind of messing up in the in the Eagles game, you know, even the good dropping thing the did, touchdown and yeah, even the good thing that he did with the block on the Limboden touchdown. Yeah. It was like it, it was the weakest sort of interference yeah. block in the like do you know what I mean? He was sort of Yeah, he, he actually put his hands up and was like and we're not talking about a technique here. It was like he was losing his, his umbrella in the wind and it was just like I mean, just get in there and fucking smash them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah exactly so I, I think he's got to be and and they did the thing like they kept they decided that tanner connor couldn't be cut and they also decided that seathan carter couldn't be cut mm. and 
and that but hunter long is still here anyway <laughs> you know so i mean he's got gotta he just has to be feeling a little bit lucky yeah all right moving on to the to the offensive line there i say i don't think solomon kinley deserved to be cut but here we are yeah. you know i thought he was the fourth best guard in camp uh you know uh but they only kept three which means they're scouring that waiver wire any thoughts on this offensive line? I think uh, I, I forecast uh, on a previous podcast, I forecast, look, Greg Little is going to be the swing guard. I mean, the swing tackle. I said so two weeks ago. I said so again last week on the podcast. It's just obvious. You just watch the team practice. And who who's taking second team snaps at left tackle and right tackle? It's Greg Little. Who's stepping in for Teron Armstead when he has uh, one of those uh, maintenance days? It was Greg Little. And he never lost those spots. He played pretty well on Saturday night as well. I thought so too. So I'll start with you, Simon. Uh, They're keeping three behind the starting five, which means they're out there and they're looking. Any thoughts on what they can add? And what do you think of this group? Um, What do I think of the group? I mean, to be honest, I thought they played pretty well on Saturday night. I mean, obviously they weren't going against, you know, Javon Hargrave and uh, and Brandon Graham and, and, and those guys. But um, I thought they looked like a cognizant unit. I thought they looked much better coached than they have done at any point previously in the last couple of years. And obviously, Teron Armstead isn't, you know, isn't playing. Uh, so you've got him to come in as well, which obviously adds an element to it. Um, I think they're obviously going to look for, and, and Chris can probably talk better about this because he's specifically studied guys that are scheme fits. But obviously, you, you look back at guys that fit the scheme in terms of, you know, you look around at Kyle Shanahan, you look around at Matt LaFleur, you look around at Sean McVay, guys that run a similar or a same sort of scheme, players that fit that um, system. You can come in. Yeah, you, know, you look at a guy like Max Sharping, for example, second round pick of the Houston Texans. Who was released today? And you think, oh, was Sharping? You know, second. No, you know, it, this is a kind of almost like a Solomon Kidney type, you know, big sort of road gradery type. Doesn't really have the footwork to move. But you talk about Justin Schooley, who I don't even know if I pronounced that right, but um, <laughs> you know, the guy from the 49ers who played tackle, started eight nine games at tackle a couple of seasons ago. Um, you think now there's a guy that can, can play multiple positions. Obviously, a scheme fit can move his feet, those sorts of things. So. I think it's really, you know, and and these. So I talked to a, I talked to a former GM a couple of nights, two, three nights ago, about for a story I'm doing for the magazine, and we talked a little bit about this sort of thing. And and a lot of this time, you're then going back to the scouts, for example, for guys that have come out the last two or three years who've been cut, and you're going back and talking to scouts about what do you remember about this kid from, you know, Idaho State or this kid from Miami or this kid from Florida State or wherever, and. You know, what do we think? You're going back and you're sort of refreshing with the scouts. Scouts are getting calls on the road about what's happening. Um, you know, and you kind of, there's a bit of reinforcement about guys that you think you liked, but you go back and look at the tape with the pro personnel guys that they played a little bit of preseason. They played, you know, a few games in the pros. But you're also digging back into the, what, what's the backstory on this kid again? You know, because we've studied 800 other kids since that point. You know, he was a good character kid. And yeah, the, the coaches liked him. He was good in the weight room. He was this, that and the other. So obviously you're relying a bit on your, your scouts as well and your pro personnel guys. But I, I you, you know, look for some of those scheme fits, I think, and uh, because they'll be the guys. And, and McDaniel said it today that, you know, there is eight is not enough at the moment. So it feels like they're going to hoover up um, another um, another guy or two, maybe. Chris, I, I think you could school our listeners and, and maybe me on on school. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, I, I think the main oh, idea do you was... think that Do you think that they will, they will revisit? Uh, him in the next 24 hours 
Like you I can, think, that's, I think, I think flip a coin. The chances are, you know, the chances are good, maybe better than not that, um, that he's, that he's high on it. But I mean, so I think that, um, if you're talking about scheme fit, that's one thing, uh, you, cause you can also kind of project scheme fits. You don't have to, you don't have to know it, but I mean, literally knowing this playbook not just some derivation of the of the playbook but this playbook because um you know as trent sherfield said this is the san francisco playbook um a guy that knows the playbook and uh and is familiar with your coaches and and the whole system and what it demands uh and has played for mike mcdaniel that's why I was looking at San Francisco guys, because a lot of these guys did play games for Mike McDaniel and, um, you know, Jalen Moore had a, had a pretty nice frame, which I wouldn't say, uh, Justin school has, um, but, uh, he does have, you know, good feet. He's clearly, um, very technical, uh, for the system and knows what it's, um, knows what it requires. Uh, a little bit short on the arms, maybe not, uh, not, not trying to, uh, you know, be an actual premier left tackle, but he's played left tackle. He's played multiple spots on the line. I think that's the guy that um, San Francisco cut that would probably be on their radar. The two other guys, Jalen Moore and, um, and Colton McKivitz, who I also looked at there, they're um, they were kept. So, um, so I think the the eyes are going to be on San Francisco, but then they're also going to be on some scheme front, you know, scheme adjacent, I guess, teams, uh, like the Green Bay Packers, where you know Caleb Jones got cut. Um, you know what's what's his, you know, how how good is he, um, or could he be, or you know go the the Jets run a similar scheme. Uh, Juma Idoga was cut. Uh, I know that he's performed really badly in the past, but you know was he coming along in the scheme? You know how how do you feel about that? Um, how do you feel about Connor McDermott for that matter? Um, so I, I think that uh, scheme adjacent teams, yeah, they'll be they'll be looking at. And the other thing is, you know, we've talked about before, uh, Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, I was going to say know. that. Mm-hmm. Like, and that deserves to be discussed because it's like one year they gave up on this guy, and it's not it's not like he's a he's an he's an asshole, right? I mean, he's he's. A, He's a good kid, and uh, and everything everything I've ever heard about him uh, has been good that way. Um, it's not a, I don't think it's a major injury uh, or anything like that. It's just they just gave up on him, and I wonder if if uh, if that's a Chris Greer because I don't, I think Chris Chris Greer really liked him. Mm. Um, Why wouldn't you like him? He was a good player. Yeah, right. I mean, coming mm-hmm. out. So I mean, you know, maybe maybe that could be some. The Dolphins are going to on him. Maybe the Dolphins don't get him. I don't know, but um, but that that sticks out, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say so. So yeah, let's talk about the the secondary because that's the only unit. Unless you guys want to bring something else up, because there's really nothing to talk about on the rest of the squad on defense. They just brought back everybody from last year and added Melvin Ingram and Trey Flowers. That's it. <laughs> that that was the extent of what they did on the front seven because there are no new shooters. Uh, there is no new, uh, you know, defensive tackle like Ben Stilley to talk about or linebacker like Cameron Good. But the secondary, um, maybe there's reason for concern. Uh, all offseason and all training camp, 
And I posted this on OnlyFans the other day. By the way, $3 a month. I posted this on OnlyFans. Every single availability with uh, a beat writer or a national writer talking about what the coach said, or myself, about what the coach said about Byron Jones, that they kind of expected him to be back in week one. There hasn't been no setbacks. And then uh, the language started changing to a little bit more qualified, I would say. And in the last few, it was like, you know, unless there's an unforeseen change. Well, we have an unforeseen change because today he went on the pup. Uh, I guess we'll start with Byron Jones. Simon, this this was this was a blow. How do you begin to replace him? Well, we talked about it, didn't we? I mean, we yeah. talked about it for a few weeks and said we didn't think it would be quite as simple as him coming back. And it felt like the noises over the last 10 days were a bit like, oh, shit, you know, maybe is he going to make it? And I didn't think he was going to make it. And I think it was confirmed today. And I thought McDaniel's press conference yesterday was, or the day before yesterday was pretty after the game when he said, you know, oh, we're kind of working towards, you know, we've got some decisions to make and it's it's very fluid at the moment. That to me was just like, so for me now the decision is, look, what do they do? Um, and there's multiple options. And Chris Greer certainly came out at his press conference tonight and said, you know, I'm not worried. It's we're, we're good. We're not, you know, there's no, it's not panic stations. But I think the question now is for the first four games, and don't forget, you're facing Matt Jones, you're facing uh, Lamar Jackson, you're facing Josh Allen, uh, and you're facing um, whoever else you play in that in in that fourth game. And you know, um, and it's tough. So what do they do? Do they? take Nick Needham, uh, who I think is a very good player, a very good nickel. Do they move him outside and then put somebody else in the nickel? And you look at someone like Justin Coleman, who was cut by the Seahawks today, who played well for us last season. Um, you look at some of the street free agents like Chris Harris Jr., for example, arguably the best nickel corner of a generation, who's you know 11-year vet, feels like he's still got something in the tank. And, and I was looking him up today and he said that five teams have contacted him in the last 10 days about possibly bringing him in to play. Um, so there's another option. So do they do that? Or, you know, you've got Eric Rowe, who's, you know, very capable of playing nickel, and you've got Javon Holland, um, who did it for, for two years at Oregon. The, or do you keep Nick Needham inside and you just literally look at the outside position? So then, you know, do they trust Kader Kohu in, the, you know, in his first NFL game to play outside? Is Keon Crossan going to be healthy? Where does Noah Igbenogane fit into this? Or... You know, do they look at a guy like a Joe Hayden, for example, who Drew Rosenhaus said a, a few weeks ago when Troy Williams went down that, you know, he's had conversations with Chris Greer about Joe coming in. So, you know, there are options and I'm sure they've discussed it. I'm sure they know kind of what their plan is. Does Nick Needham go outside? Does that kind of weaken two positions in terms of, you know, you're going to have to you know, find somebody else to play nickel who's not going to be as good as Needham because he's a really good player. And, you know, if that's a safety like Rowe or if that's a safety like Holland, then that weakens the safety position in terms of... So it'll be very interesting to see what they do. And I'm not kind of sure if I know what the answer is, but not having Byron Jones for those four, first four games, Joe Burrow being the other quarterback that I couldn't think of earlier, not having him for those first four games is a blow because, you know, you're facing Jamar Chase and, and, and T Higgins. You're facing Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and, mm -hmm. you know, Lil Shakir at Boise. And you're facing, you know, Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews and Duvernay and these guys with Baltimore. And you're facing, you know, whatever you think of Nelson Aguilar. He's apparently had a great camp. You know, you're facing Devontae Parker. You know, these are these are good players. This is the NFL. These are good players. So, you know, it is a blow to lose your to, to lose a really good cornerback, which is what Byron Jones is. Chris, uh, how do you begin to replace him? Uh, 
Well, I, I don't know the answer to that. It's, it's probably for the best if, uh, if they, if Keon Crossan is healthy and he's able to play on the outside and keep Nick Natum inside. Um, I do think that, uh, that might be what they're thinking, um, as they go into this, but it could all, they might mar- march Noah Igbenogany out there. No, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, we can shit on him as much as we like, but this is another miles Gaskin situation. Um, you know that we can we can sit here and be like you know oh you know he's not he, he's not playing well he's you know everything he's so disappointing um as a first round pick they keep marching him out there uh, they all i noticed this all during camp too like and all during camp in the preseason they keep marching him out there as if he matters enough as if he's important you know and they put him in in um in spots as if he's important to them uh, and they value him. So whatever we say about him, about, about all that, they kept showing confidence in him. So yeah, it could be him, you know, marching out there um, on the perimeter while uh, Nick Needham stays inside. It's conceivable. I'm not saying we would agree with it, but um, so there's that uh, to consider a cater Kohu, you know, could play the slot. I think that they were, they were making sure that he could, um, in the preseason and, uh, and they must have some confidence in him. I, I really don't see the Joe Hayden kind of thing. I don't see the, the signing a guy, uh, right now thing. I think they're going to try and see what they have first. And then they might give Joe Hayden a call. <laughs> um, you know, so I think, I think at least that first game against the Patriots, um, maybe the next game too, as, as well. They're they're gonna want to see. They're gonna want to see what they have. That they do have. That is part of the the style with Chris Greer as the GM and you know the coaching staff. Try guys out. So I think we're gonna see. I think we're gonna see those guys. I think the interesting thing for me is that you look at someone like Limboden getting cut versus Noah, and you think that you know people talking about who's going to return kicks. Who you know Noah has returned kick. You know Noah has more kick return touchdowns in college than Limboden did. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, um, right. You know, so Nori Bonogane can return kicks. And I wonder whether or not his value in terms of he was further up the depth chart as a cornerback than Lynn was as a wide receiver, mm-hmm. but also has that special teams value in terms of, A, he plays special teams coverage units as well, which Lynn didn't, but also, you know, he can return kicks and punts. Um, and maybe that gave him the edge over someone like Lynn Bowden in terms of, you know, keeping one or the other on the roster. Yeah, and... I don't want to, you know, talk a guy up unnecessarily, but I really do believe that Kater Kohu in a in a pinch. You know, I'm not talking about you know playing the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, but in a pinch, I think Kater Kohu can play a few snaps and play him effectively in the slot, which affords you an opportunity to move Nick Needham outside. Although I agree with you, Simon, I wouldn't want to move Nick Needham from where he's been effective. Yeah. So I'd go out there. You know, there's plenty of guys out there. You know, Janoris Jenkins, when we last saw Janoris Jenkins, I know he's ancient, but when we, when we last saw him, he was pretty effective. You know, can you use him for a couple of games? I think so. He can still run. So maybe that's what they need. I think that I'd, I'd go out there for a boundary corner and, you know, and just, you know, keep it open. Uh, you know, start with Kean Crossan, but, you know, have a short leash on Crossan and Noig Benogany. 
and have that guy, have that that free agent that you can bring in to play on the boundary. But I wouldn't want to move, start moving everybody around. But Cater Kohu, I, I want to talk a little bit about him because it's you know, if you look at the the roster, uh, Elijah Campbell's been around, so we've we've seen him, and he had a fabulous camp, like that was a no brainer. But Cater Kohu, I want to I want to talk a little bit about Cater Kohu because he he deserves it. This is a guy that they targeted a while back. This is a Josh Boyer special, and he is here. He made the team. Evidently, he got news before anybody else because yesterday he was posing, he was posting uh, new avatar pictures, new avies for his uh, Twitter account of him in a dolphin uniform. Simon, uh, anybody who's seen him and talked to him, first of all, you, you can't help but be happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a great story. It's a great story. Uh, his family won the lottery in in um in Ivory Coast to come to the United States. He came here when he was nine years old. Uh, he didn't play soccer, by the way. Played basketball, played football as a young young boy here in the United States. First language was French. If you hear him speak, uh, you couldn't tell that his first language is French. He has no accent. He speaks absolutely perfect English. And he's one of those guys that would win a best body award because he is put together like this. This kid is put together in okay. his arms. Yes. Those, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah. He looks like, yeah, this is a slot corner in the NFL. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, also somebody that can play. I think he can play outside as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, you know, he's long and. Although uh, they kind of pigeonholed him in the preseason, right? As a, as a slot corner for whatever reason. They yeah. did. They did. So I, I don't know. I don't know what, what, but you know, talk a little bit about him. I think he deserves he deserves a few minutes on this on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, he he's he's he played his way onto this team. No, absolutely. I, I think it's really interesting actually because I, I think that um, you know, you talk about his journey to America, you know, and obviously that's a that's a big old journey. But you also talk about his journey just from college. For you know, he went to Texas A and M Commerce. You know, not Texas A&M, Texas A&M Commerce. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know how many Texas A&M Commerce players there are in the NFL, but I reckon I can count on the fingers. Every year when we do the draft special, I admit that I don't, I didn't know that a school existed. I didn't know that Texas A&M Commerce existed until Cater Kohu signed with the Miami Dolphins. Well, I'm just googling it now, but I mean, I, I can't. I like, what's their I wanna, mascot? I want to know. It's it's Lucky the Lion. Is it? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> There's been 24 players since 1960 out of Texas A&M Commerce um, who have played in the NFL. Um, let me see if we know any of them. Um, I wish they had oh, some. Wade, so Wade Wilson. Wade Wilson went to Texas A&M. Oh, Commerce. really? Okay. Wow. Wow. That's a good yeah. one. Quarterback. Harvey Martin, you know, the, the, yes. the Cowboys defensive end, defensive tackle. Um that's pretty much it, though, in terms of, I mean, somebody called Mary Brown, who was a 302nd pick by the Detroit Lions in 1953. I'm pretty sure that was a woman. Um, but yeah, there's not mm. been, uh, there's been one Texas A&M player drafted since 2000 and only two since 1986. So 86, 96, 2006, 2016. So 30, there's been two players drafted from Texas A&M Commerce in the last 36 years. So, I mean, it's a journey. Do you know what I mean? But look, he came in and, and McDaniel, I'm sure McDaniel said about him the other day that, you know, 
he's tough, he's competitive, but the, the stage, and we talked about it with, with Skylar Thompson, the stage was never too big for him. And he went out there and he performed and he played well. And I, you know, he deserves his spot. He's not like, you know, he's battling a Byron Jones and an Xavier Howard. And, and it must be great for him to have that experience. You know, those guys that he's talking to, but you know, he's battling first round picks out of the SEC in Noah Ubanogane, a kid that- They're the Lions, by the way, Texas A&M but, University yeah. of Commerce. <laughs> they played at Auburn. Yeah, he, but you know, this is a kid from you know the SEC played at Auburn, and this is Katie Cohu from Texas A&M Commerce, and he's coming out and kicking ass. And look, you know, we've got two undrafted free agents from really school, small schools, Idaho State and Texas A&M Commerce, who just came in, worked their asses off throughout the off season, and just made an NFL roster. And look, we criticize Chris Greer, and we have done for a few years on this podcast when we feel like he's messed up, and. But what he does consistently is find these diamonds in the rough every year, every year. You know, look, we talk about Ben Stilley. We talk about, you know, I know we didn't draft him or pick him up as undrafted free agent, but getting Zach Sealer over, you know, finding Nick Needham. These guys just, you know, we just turn over these rocks and find these guys. And, you know, I, I just, good luck to him. I think he's, um, you know, he's uh, he's made the roster because he's a good player not just because somebody felt sorry for him i thought he played well the other night he's sticky in coverage he did it inside outside he's athletic like you said he's physical he's a good tackler he'll play some special teams um yeah you know i mean i found it fascinating i read the other day and sorry to keep banging on but i think he got a scholarship at texan commerce because he dm'd the school's athletic department on twitter do you know what I mean? He didn't he, yeah I, yeah he, he talked about that yeah i think he played one year as a high school senior and DM'd the or the coaching staff or something and said, oh, by the way, this is, have a look at my film. And they brought him in. So, you know, it's a great story. And it's just, you know, the cherry on the cake was him making the team today. Yeah. Not, and it was interesting. Yeah, he had an availability where he talked about, you know, not knowing what certain coverages were. And, but now, you know, he's he's considered one of the, the, the smarter guys on the team because he picked up everything pretty quickly. And Josh Boyer, you know, you, you could tell Josh Boyer really likes the, the kid. He's always talking to him. Xavier Howard is always talking to him. And you could hear Sam, you know, in, in that Sam voice. When you go to practice, one thing is one thing you do hear is, first of all, you hear Danny Crossman screaming his head off, okay? But, you know, that man is a, you know, he's a madman. But then you hear Sam Madison's squeaky voice instructing all the guys and there's two guys he's always on and he's always encouraging and talking to and that's cater Cole and of course Noah Benogany, which I don't what, what's the bigger gap do you reckon coming yeah Abidjan in the Ivory Coast to America or Texas A&M Commerce to a 53-man roster because I'd say it's pretty close it is it is it's right there you know but evidently he's picked it up you know he, he's picked it up because everybody just you know everybody it's they speak in such glowing terms of him and and you just hear him speak and him and Javon Holland man they can run for president like both of them have podium skills <laughs> that are unmatched on this team I think you know because I think Tua Tua falls too much back into that that quarterback speak you know because uh, every quarterback in the NFL thinks that they're president of the United States and they have to speak that way. But these guys actually like get something across, and they actually have something to say. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think this is a bigger gap from Texas A&M Commerce to a 53 man roster on a pretty decent NFL team. Yeah, well, I would say out, so. You beat out Quincy Wilson, your know, second round pick for the the Colts mm-hmm. out of Florida, played in the SEC, was an All SEC pick. You know, you don't you don't do that just by luck. 
Quincy's uh Quincy Wilson was a you know good athlete, good yeah. good size, everything too. I mean, it was yeah. tough competition. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. Hey, uh Chris all the power to Cater Coho though. I mean yeah, your <laughs> thoughts on this on the secondary going forward? Uh you know, Sands Byron Jones for four weeks. Uh, you know, I'm curious. You know, keeping Elijah Campbell is one thing. I'm curious if they're gonna if they're ever gonna put him on the field or um, what they're gonna do. Um, you know, no Igbenogany, like like I was saying before. I mean, they 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 show faith in the guy and just have continued to. And it's not like it's not like they ever stopped and fooled us. Like we just keep fooling ourselves up. Um, so. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting secondary. I think I think it's um, they have enough talent on the way it is. We didn't even mention that Clayton Fajetalum made it. Yeah, <laughs> Master General, special and we yeah, and we and we beat up on him sometimes. <laughs> yeah. you, you did, Clayton. They did. Alf and Chris, not me, <laughs> not me Clayton. Not me. Never know. I'm pretty sure it was Simon. Though. Yeah, true, true. Fuck you. This is a true story. They held the Miami Dolphins defense, held the Kansas City Chiefs in all of their glory to less than 20 points, three turnovers, and three sacks. But Clayton Fajellum left two touchdowns on the field on the three snaps he played. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Did you forget about that? If you just erase Clayton, if you erase Clayton Fajellum's, I can't, I, I, it's been three years and I still can't say his name. If you erase his contribution in that Kansas City Chiefs game, Dolphins would have smashed the Chiefs that that day and Mahomes. I do but remember he was he on there up, for three two of the touchdowns. He was on three snaps and gave up two of the touchdowns. He punched himself in the face, got back up, stepped on his own dick, and fell over again. It was just <laughs> it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> it was. It was. It was all fun and games when Jerome Baker was sacking Pat Mahomes, wasn't it? And Byron Jones intercepted him and, and Xavier Howard intercepted him. We even had an, an Andrew Van Ginkle interception in that game, if you remember. So, yeah, uh, I guess we'll close with this. Uh, injuries, Andrew Van Ginkle, we don't know anything. Okay. And this team is going to tell us even less. Appendix, do- isn't it? Yeah, well, appendix hey, out. I so, got his appendix out. But, yeah. Yeah, but we don't know. We don't know his availability. All I was told is he has to practice next week to play. So I guess we'll find out next week. If he practices, he might play. If he doesn't, he won't. Uh, I had my appendix out last year, and I'm not sure I could have played in the NFL two weeks after having it. Well, I don't think you could play in the NFL regardless, Simon, but Andrew Van Ginkle is a finely tuned athlete. You get my point, though. You know, we all, you know. Like a surgical scar still sitting there or, you know, stitches. I mean, they're still there, but you just, it's just... It's a it's an operation. It's a proper operation. Just rooting yeah. around the stomach, and do you know what I mean? It's it's not a not a barrel of laughs. I felt like shit for a week afterwards. You know, it's proper, and it jams up your insides and your fucking bowels and toilet and all that sort of stuff. It's not. It's no. I, I look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was out what three weeks? Two two three weeks? Yeah. You know, so although the Dolphins were were clear to to say that Joe Burrow's burst and Andrew Van Ginkle's didn't, so it did mine burst as well, which made it worse. But um, oh, no. AVG yeah. might be a, a a bit better off than than um than me and Joe brothers. Yeah. But we'll we'll learn more next week. Uh, I think it's all. I think it's good news that they kept five wide receivers because that means that Jalen Waddle is probably good to go. Um, Nick Needham, we know what it is. It's a finger. Okay, uh, tape the thing and and play. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's as simple as that. Uh, Keon Crossan, man, you know, it's a shame that we have to be speculating all these things, but they don't tell us anything about as far as injuries. Keon Crossan, it's kind of obvious, right? He was on the sideline in full gear without his helmet, which means protocol, right? So I guess he has to clear some protocol that they're not going to tell us about before he plays. I think he's extremely important. Like that's that's a guy that had a very, very good camp, and I could look at and say, you know what? I think we could get by with him for a couple of games. So that's one I would monitor very, very, very closely. I think uh, um, I think players on the team have spoken very highly of him too. So Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's mentioned him. Uh, Tyreek Hill mentioned him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we, we'd be remiss if we don't mention this, you know, on the way out. But um, I said some words on on three yards per carry about on the three yards per carry uh, Twitter account about Jason Jenkins. Uh, it was a huge loss. It really was. Great guy. Um, I don't want to be talking about, you know, that he used to listen to us or he liked us or anything like that, but he was just a great human being. Um, I don't know if you want to say something about him. Simon, you met him. Yeah, uh, just a really nice guy and just a real a real tragedy, a real shock. Um, every time I was in the Dolphin or every time I've been in the Dolphins locker room over the years, um, he was there. He knew that, you know, that I wasn't American, um, but he was respectful and he was always smiling and he was happy to see you. He always said hello, like he recognized you. Um, You know, I didn't know him like anything like the guys that cover the team. But, but, you know, I think you just had to see the outpouring of of emotion from everybody, from Adam Schefter to other coaches like Dan Campbell. And you saw how upset Mike McDaniel got after the game and Justina Anderson and Peter King and all these people talking in glowing terms and then their columns as well about what a great guy he was. People like Dave Hyde and Bees and Omar and all these guys that work with him every day. And you look at the reaction of people like Ann Noland and Brett Breckheisen and uh, and all these people in the in the press office who, you know, he was their boss and OJ McDuffie and you know, Travis and all these guys, you know, it was, uh, he was just a good human being. And, you know, the work that he did away from the Dolphins in terms of the, all the community work, you know, the world's a tough place and, um, you know, things are, things are difficult for people in, in every society, whether it's in this country, in your country, people like Jason Jenkins help make life a little bit better and, um, and he'll be missed. So, you know, certainly my thoughts, I am mean, not a religious person. My thoughts go out to his wife, Elizabeth and, and three kids, because that's a hell of a void to fill. Chris, if you want to say something, I I, I didn't. I, I've met him one time, and um, and I knew him primarily by reputation, uh, you know, through Ethan, um, through uh, you, and um, and talking about the different guys back there, and you know, it is it is a tragedy, um, you know, because ever everything I've ever heard has been about how nice he is. And mm-hmm. about how uh, how helpful he is and how you know sort of accepting he's certainly you know he was friendly to the show you know he was friendly mm-hmm. uh to 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 the network um you know it's just it's just really to, to hear all about him and and know that what a community uh activist he was in terms of um you know volunteering and stuff like that um it's just just a shame and all i can do is you know heart goes out to everybody that's been affected that knew him um you know anywhere anywhere on the team or you know families etc um it's it's a shame all right rest in peace jason 
next week we get back into into the the fun stuff the the silly part of what we do uh football is back next week we will preview the nfl season and the dolphins season and we will talk dolphins patriots next week but till then thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.